We're Lane and Sharis, two certified clinicians who are obsessed with neuroscience and learning all the secrets behind the power of our brains. From alcoholic blackouts to phantom limbs, brain freezes, orgasms, and more, these bite-sized episodes cover all the human experiences that are fascinating to us. This is the mini Brain Blown Podcast. Hello, Lane. What are we talking about this month? Springtime is a very special time in the world where it's a moment of rejuvenation, revitalization, and often for the animal community, procreation. Spring is kind of known for that. So since it's May, it seemed like a fun month to talk about the neuroscience of orgasm. This is going to be a really fun topic. I can already just tell from now. Maybe we'll give just a quick disclaimer to anyone maybe listening to this in the car with young ears who shouldn't be hearing about this or maybe aren't ready to hear about all of that yet. I was about to say, actually, I don't know if that disclaimer is needed. We're going to stay very science heavy on this. Cool. Love that. So, A, we're going to be using a lot of medical and technical terms. Love it. And two, we're going to keep this really above board. Great. Awesome. Then never mind. Sounds wonderful. Speaking of this, where do you even start in looking this stuff up? So I think we should start where we often start with making sure that we're defining it so we know what we're talking about. Yeah. Sounds great. So what is an orgasm? Yes. Dr. Sherry Ross states an orgasm is a, quote, physical reflex that occurs when muscles tighten during sexual arousal and then release through a series of rhythmic contractions. Meston, Levin, Sapinski, Hull, and Hyman state that in humans, an orgasm has been defined as a variable transit peak of sensation of intense pleasure, creating an altered state of consciousness, usually accompanied by involuntary rhythmic contractions of the pelvic striated musculature, often with co-committant anal contractions and myotopia that results in sexually induced vasocognition, usually with an induction of well-being and contentment. Hmm. Seventeen Magazine states that it's a buildup of a time frame during sexual stimulation where there's a big release of pleasure. And two more, Georgia Diaz, Coratecas, Kuipedis, Nuyenberg, Prem, Rendiers, and Holstage However, are quick to remind us that there have been multiple studies to clearly confirm that experience orgasm, like many things in life, is a function of the brain, induces a profound change in mental state, can require conscious action and concentration, and often involves intense emotions. And then the authors of the science of orgasm would like to remind us what it is not. It is not ejaculation, either from a penile or a skein gland. Orgasm is not ejaculation. Because orgasm is a thing of your brain. It is something that occurs within your brain. Ejaculation is something that occurs from your body. They often are thought of as happening together up into the point when they're thought of as the same thing. They are not. An ejaculation can happen without orgasm. An orgasm can happen without ejaculation which means they are completely and utterly separate beings that happen to often be concurrent. Wow. We never think of it that way, but that makes perfect sense. As we've obviously clarified in previous episodes, anything you feel is happening in your brain. Yes. If you stab your hand, 
your hand does not feel the pain. It feels you feel it in your brain. Absolutely, which and, is where we get phantom limbs. Yeah, exactly. So like pain, pleasure, any feelings that you technically feel in your body or in general are all happening in your brain. Whereas release of something like ejaculate matter happens from your body. Right. Is not experienced in your brain. Wow. So while they're friends, they're not the same thing. Which makes perfect sense. Will we be diving into how they're connected? A little. Okay. So if orgasm is a function of the brain, what is the neuroscience of orgasms? So this is the neuroscience of orgasms. One other disclaimer before we fully get into this episode, we will be identifying bodies as the researchers did, as female and male. However, neither body's ability to generate an orgasm is up for debate. It has both been scientifically proven. And bodies experiencing orgasm happen very similarly up to the point where we can't tell the difference in descriptions, as proven by a study by Vance and Wagner over 40 years ago. Great. Great to know. Moving into our next step here, we've sort of clarified what it is in a really interesting way as well, because I was noticing when you were sharing the definitions at the beginning, they were very typical of what we think of our orgasms. Colloquial, so yes. Absolutely. The colloquial definition, for sure. Or the colloquial experience. Yes. And thinking of this, we've gone through the definitions. Are we ready to dive into the brain? I think in this episode, we are going to have to do a bit of what's going on in the body as well. Right. Because there are reactions that do often occur in the body, even though they're actually not required. Interesting. So why don't we play a little bit into what's going on in the body and the brain? I love it. Sounds great. So in the book, The Science of Orgasm by Komosorek, Bayer Flores, and Whipple, state that in a male body... Once either the penis or brain is stimulated, the parasympathetic nerves, our old friend from the neuroscience of safety, Mm -hmm. which is part of your autonomic nervous system, and this is specifically occurring around the base of your spinal cord. We're going to talk about the vagus nerve again, right? Oh, yes. Because that's where that, that whole nerve system is coming through. Those are activated, and this sends blood flow to the corpus cavernosa in the penis, which becomes engorged with blood. Studies show that the parasympathetic nervous system is activated by our old friend oxytocin (laughs) originating in the brain as a quote paraventricular nucleus of the hypothalamus that projects their axion the nerve fibers that communicate with other neurons down the spinal cord as far as the sacral level okay so oxytocin is acting as a phone call to send signals through the spinal cord through the nervous system that says hey things are about to happen nice In fact, oxytocin is also released in the bloodstream during orgasm for all bodies. Wow. So it's coming from the brain Mm -hmm. and it's going through the body and then it also disperses through the bloodstream. Yes. And oxytocin is serving a dual role. It is acting both as a neural hormone and a neural transmitter during sexual engagement. A neural hormone is is a hormone released from your neurons, not from your endocrine gland. Will you remind me what that is? It's a lot of things, uh, but it 
it sometimes happens within the brain in regards to the hypothalamus and the pituitary gland. It can also happen in the body in like the thyroid gland, the pancreas, the adrenal glands, testes in men, and ovaries in women. Gotcha. Okay. So oxytocin is actually playing a dual role by both giving you a hormone and being a neurotransmitter. Fascinating. Whoa. Wait, that sounds really, really cool. But I want to feel like I'm on the same page. Why is that awesome that oxytocin is playing a dual role in the body? Because I think it's one of the few things where we're looking at that connection between brain and body. We've definitely talked about orgasm as a brain thing. Ejaculation is a body thing. Uh But this is at least doing a bit of a bridge between the physical need to do something and the mental impact of what that does for humans as needing each other and needing to be around each other the type of particular being that we are i love that i love that (laughs) oh that's really cool so i mean it's one of the reasons that you get to feel all those like happy i like you feelings yes if you're doing this with another body or bodies so for males we see the sacral parasympathetic nerves activate the penis and it releases nitric oxide acetylcholine and a vasoactive intestinal peptide quote which has a combined effect of releasing involuntary muscles around the corpus cavernosa, which allows for increased blood flow to the penis. This also activates cyclic nucleotides to help increase dilation of said penis. So during orgasm for males, that's kind of prepped, right? So we're going to talk about the body. We're also going to talk about the brain. In orgasm for males, we see a study looking at cerebral blood flow of male bodies during orgasm. Tia Hohen et al. states, quote, Cerebral blood flow is unchanged or decreases in all cortical areas during orgasm, except for the right prefrontal cortex, where cerebral blood flow is increased significantly. The site of this focal neural activity corresponds roughly to Brodmann's cytoarchitectonic area 10. That's the part of the brain. The function significant of which has been quite poorly understood. This part of the brain is specifically cited to be the least understood part of the brain that we have. If you Google Broadman's Cycloarchitectonic Area 10, Wikipedia will straight up tell you we know nothing about this. <laughs> we know very little about this, I should say. <laughs> but it is hypothesized to maybe be involved in working memory and attention, we think. We really don't understand this part of the brain. So what that means is in males... Basically, we're not wrong when we say all blood travels to a different area of the body Uh and the brain, not so much, (laughs) specifically decreases in cortical areas during orgasm, quote. Except for that one area. Except for this one area. Which we know literally Literally nothing about. Like, I shouldn't say literally. Yeah, that we We, know nothing about. Is the least understood part of the brain that we have. Very interesting. It's interesting to actually hear those parallels, too. If you think about it, because like for women, it is almost a heightened sense. And for men, it's a little of the opposite. Yep. So stay tuned on the podcast because I'll consistently keep looking for research articles on Broadman's psychoarchitectonic area 10. But as of right now, decreased blood flow, one area, other parts of the body, done. We should, we should call it like, oh, like a, a, a Brokeman's watch or something like that. <laughs> Update on, on, on every script note. Do we know more? Not no. yet. <laughs> to end where men are, if ejaculation occurs, then the ischiocavernosus muscles contract, 
along with the vas deferens to expel semen and will contract the anal sphincter. So that's what goes on in the male body. Okay, we better dive into the brain now because holy smokes, sounds like this brain-body connection that we covered first off is really interesting. But I am still almost hung up on the fact that (laughs) what I believed was orgasm isn't because orgasm is in your brain. Yeah. So what the heck's going on there? Uh, For men, not much. Oh, right. We (laughs) did. Okay, so so not much. (laughs) We yeah, that's I mean, that makes sense with what we were literally just talking about that we saw activation in that one area. Yep. And not really anywhere else. Okay. I, I do want to also give a disclaimer when I when we are saying and I'm trying to not use men and male interchangeably. Sure. Um it is hard because the research often did actually say men, not males. And part of the reason this is tricky is because most of the time trans men are not studied. Mm. And so we don't have data to show if it's a presence of testosterone, which would therefore mean that trans men's brains would operate the same as cis male brains. Yes. Or if it's something else. So I'm going just with the research that there currently happens to be, which has largely been on, honestly, cis and hetero individuals. Yes. that I think that's a great clarification. Thank so, you. Based on what we know, in a cis hetero male brain, not a lot is going on. <laughs> okay. Except for that one area. Right. <laughs> which right. is a straight mystery. <laughs> the brain of a female-bodied person. However, there's a bit more going on. Okay. So in human females, we see activation starting with a cluster of neurons around the hypothalamus that produce oxytocin. It's likely we see that with men as well. It's just this particular research article was gearing it towards women. This is where we see this neural hormone because it's a hormone secreted by a neuron, right? Instead of your endocrine. Specifically, this can occur from stimulation of the breast, nipple, vaginal, cervical, or uterine area. Lots of places. Lots of places. Specifically in females, there are four different sets of nerves that are set up with a direct line to the brain for orgasm. This is specifically the pundinal nerve from the clitoris. This is the same nerve found in the male penis. Mm -hmm. But additionally, there are also nerves from the vagina, cervix, and uterus to help generate orgasm. Wild. So again, orgasm does happen in the brain, but your body is helping it along occasionally yeah kind of triggering it mental orgasms have been recorded as a thing that can occur but it's not common Mm. so we see more often than not the body is sort of signaling that good things are happening and these are found all over the place for women wow these are pelvic nerves hypogastric nerves and our old friend the vagus nerve ah yes and studies show that orgasms produced from activating different nerves produce different kinds of orgasms oh my gosh so during orgasm in the body in a female individual the uterus will contract the anus will contract the blood pressure and heart rate double to increase blood flow and there is a reduction in pain sensitivity pretty significantly wow this is largely found in the science of orgasm However, according to Commissorek and Whipple, sensitivity to touch may be enhanced. So pain is decreased, touch is enhanced. Blood engorges the vaginal and clitoral area, specifically making changes to the, quote, labia, periurethral glands, the urethra, and the habanus fascia. As previously mentioned, there's a, quote, significant release of oxytocin into the bloodstream, 
within one minute after orgasm in healthy women, and in some cases, blood levels are still elevated for a five-minute period, as described below activation of the periventricle nucleus of the hypothalamus, has been observed during orgasm. So it's likely the activity of these neurons, the neurons that they project, and the neurons that project to them is involved in the pleasure sensation of an orgasm. There is a lot going on. So much going on. Oh my gosh. I feel like clearly with orgasm, you can't help but bounce back to the body because the body is how we so easily describe it. And process it. Yes. So back to brain now, what are we seeing there? Because as we mentioned in the male brain, there's that one place that highlights Yep. What about in the brain of female-bodied people? So similar study, right? We we were focused on a study for um, male individuals where we were looking for cerebral blood flow changes. We did that actual same study uh, with women. In a, so in a specifically in the study focused on cerebral blood flow changes associated with clitorally induced orgasms. They were only studying that. And this was by Georgia Dia et al. They focused on increased blood flow in the anterior cerebellum. But this also increases by activating the pelvic floor muscles. So you can increase this blood flow from a clitoral-induced orgasm or by activating your pelvic floor muscle. Hmm. So that could be why, as opposed to just orgasm, because the pelvic floor muscles have a tendency to be active during orgasm. That's fair. But not a guarantee. Okay. This was also found to be a decrease in blood flow in the prefrontal cortex and the left temporal lobe specifically. There was activation in the left lateral orbital frontal cortex, which was hypothesized to impact, quote, behavior inhibition during sexual behavior. Interesting. Trying to simplify things in my own mind. So our body becomes more activated, like we become more aware or... We're becoming very conscious to touch, decreased to pain, and we have inhibitions for behavior. Those get shut off. What is that? What does that just mean then? I don't think we fully know yet. It is fascinating that we saw this and it's not something we could have studied for how we were hundreds of years ago, but thinking of, so one of the things that we know about the human brain is that it comes out ready to be molded. It is the most unique thing in our existence because it is not predetermined. Mm. Everything else is predetermined. We come out exceptionally moldable. This is why epigenetics is a thing. Like a unique factor about our brain is that it very much responds to everything around us, which is why, right? It's never nature or nurture. It's always both. Always both. And that's something we really need to learn as individuals. Like it is always both. And one of the things that we potentially could see within always both that Eagleman would probably argue is Eagleman would state if you were born, you know, in a cave, right, with the same person you are now, would things be the same? And he would say absolutely not because we have scientific data to show you will adjust to the things around you and adapt for what you need to. That's why humans, specifically our brain, is so freaking cool. So we've been living in a society that shames female-bodied individuals for sex for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. If there wasn't something to help essentially reduce some of the inhibition, would we procreate at all? If all women are is ever shamed for sexual intercourse, sexual interaction, sexual anything, mm-hmm. what's the likelihood that procreation would occur 
if we didn't essentially adapt to needing to move over that mental hurdle of sex is shameful, sex is awful, I'm going to mess with my reputation, I'm going to be seen as dirty, I'm going to be seen as less than, right? right. So I don't know that the research did not go into why we have this, mm -hmm. but it is important that we sort of look into what we know, right? Which is that people are an aspect of the culture and the world around them, specifically humans because of how our brains are moldable. Right. That's why I would argue there's a likelihood that this exists because much like over time, if our baby's heads didn't get smaller, we'd all die in childbirth. Right. And we just die out as a species. What's the likelihood we die out as a species if all we ever do is shame women for literally centuries, more than centuries? We've been shaming women for sex since biblical times. Why would any woman ever have sex if something in her brain didn't say, I'm going to lower your inhibitions during this particular moment in time? Yeah. Good as guesses I would have. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. Wow. That makes a lot of sense. A side effect to this change in blood that we didn't mention, that we probably should, is for individuals who have external genitalia, so a male-bodied individual, sometimes what they see in this increase in blood flow is not an increase in blood flow, right? Which is why there are medications specifically targeted to men who are very concerned about the decrease of blood flow in that particular area. Mm -hmm. A side effect of this that men should be aware of is if a male-bodied individual is feeling this decrease of blood flow, that can also be a sign of your cardiovascular system not working properly. That could be a sign that you should be checked for cardiovascular health so that it doesn't lead to a bigger side effect, which is could be a heart attack. Which makes a lot of sense because we've talked so in-depth this episode about blood flow yes. and what's actually going on throughout the body that yes to recognize an area that is not receiving good enough blood flow would mean you should probably check out the source yes to be your heart speaking of sources when we're talking about orgasms another thing that's important since we definitely define difference between ejaculation and orgasm is there have been lots of reports out of orgasm gaps where we see orgasms occurring more often in one body than in another as we started at the beginning of this episode, it has been scientifically proven that any body can produce an orgasm and any body can produce ejaculate. That being said, there are clearly evidence to show that certain bodies are struggling to feel like they can create an orgasm. An orgasm is in your brain. It might be important to note that some of what is there is a difficulty with feeling comfortable, with feeling safe, with feeling relaxed, with being able to let your parasympathetic system flip on. Mm -hmm. If your parasympathetic system, i.e. your rest and digest can't flip on, we're going to see a problem in the brain associated with the ability to achieve orgasm because that is necessary for a brain's ability to achieve orgasm. That's huge. That makes a lot of sense. I'm also thinking of how we talked about a heightened sense of touch mm -hmm. or a heightened sense of feeling almost in a way. I I was going to share something about from Come As You Are. It starts off by sharing with you that specifically for female bodied individuals, 
so many things have to go right in order for it to happen. Yes. And that makes so much sense because if we have this heightened awareness, we have this heightened like sense of physical touch in recognizing like what is good, but also what is not good. Exactly. If you're constantly thinking about all of those things or aware of all of those things, it can be really difficult to achieve only focus on the pleasure. Yes. Yes. So a random side note is mindfulness can be shown to help achieve orgasm because you're helping your brain work together and you're helping you teach your body what it's like to feel safe and to feel comfortable with being safe. Mm -hmm. And to stay mindful is to stay present in the moment and to stay present in your body. Mindfulness can absolutely not only help you achieve orgasm, but help achieve more intense levels of orgasm. Mm. But yes, I think Come As You Are has a really great point to it, which is perhaps if individuals or couples or relationships are struggling with being able to achieve orgasm or achieve orgasm as often as they want to, the most important thing might be to look at how do we feel safe, connected, not distracted, not impacted how do we focus on the brain first because the brain is where the orgasm lives thanks for listening to the brain blown podcast this podcast is created and produced by lane and sharis with music by james austin to learn more about this episode head over to brainblownpodcast.com for script notes visuals and any resources we mentioned And hey, if you have any topics you're curious about or want to learn more on, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to info at brainblownpodcast.com or reach out via social media to connect.